welcome to the Watch and Learn Show, where we talk about life lessons we learn from movies new and old, and we have a bit of fun along the way. And now, here's the host, Sky and Dusty. Hey, hey, movie maniacs! My name is Sky, and that dude on the other side of the screen is my brother, Dusty. Dusty. Out uh, from the movie Saint, of course, we're talking about the Saint today, an old 1997 classic. Val Kilmer's character of Simon gets dressed up in a, as a ton of different characters. Which of his various characters is your favorite? I think the um, the, the guy that was playing the, the gay guy inside of the airport, talking to the first the Russian guys for the very first time. He was just enjoyable to watch. It was really really fun, and the way he gets up and says, "Let me go ask her," and he goes up and talks to this old lady. That whole scene was rather fun. Um, that was, the, I guess, the fun scene. But as far as dress up, probably the very, very first guy, the um, Aussie, the Aussie guy with the suit on that, you know, changes temperature and stuff. That was pretty cool. Yeah, with the gray hair and the mustache, Aussie. Yeah. I see. Yeah. My favorite. How about I, you? I guess I mentioned it last in the last episode when we talked about doing this one. I said the, the visual that I always get from this is when he's dressed up as the old guy with the glasses, buck teeth, the, like the, the reporter guy with the hair comb over. That's always like, if you say the saint, that's the first visual in my head is him looking at Elizabeth Shue's character saying, I'm going to expose this scientist for a fraud. That's, that's my favorite character of all of them. But I really like his handler, his gay German handler or whatever in the train station, like you said as well. Yeah, you always remember. I mean, it's easy to remember the you know, the comb over, like the strangly hair and everything. Yeah, he was a master of disguises too, and and our, like his actual language and being able to say things differently, different accents and stuff. Really, really good, and it was really enjoyable. So, what do you think? This was made many years ago. Actually, I graduated in 1997, so this came out right when I was graduating high high school. And when I first watched it. I was like, oh, this thing is phenomenal. And then watch it over and over again. I've seen it many times. I would say probably about a dozen times now I've seen it, give or take. But what are your thoughts? What's your thoughts about the movie now so many years later? I never enjoyed it as much as you did. I did have fun with the movie. Val Kilmer's great. Elizabeth Shue is great. The Bad Russians, they're fun to watch and you want to see them lose in the end, right? So a lot of really good elements to it. But I didn't remember this from prior, but watching it this time, it's almost two hours long and it just felt too long, too slow, a little boring at times, not as much action and not as much like espionage, kind of like, not that he's a spy, but he's so smart. There should have been more elaborate like traps or things for him to go into to do, you know, to, to really to show his spy, his disguise uh, 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 strengths and everything, you know. So I really did not like it nearly as much as I hoped I would. And I found that they did a lot of development between uh, Val Kilmer and Olivia Shue's character. Like they, they did a lot of development between them. And obviously it plays out. That's how I guess they fall in love. But um, yeah, it was, it, there were some points where it's kind of like, okay, I'm not, it's not keeping my interest very much. Um, even some of the chase scenes seemed a little drawn out, a little too long. Um, I could absolutely see that. So they probably could have cut out maybe at least 10 minutes, maybe, but in all, what would you give this grade? Man, just to, just to hit on what you said real quick before I give my grade, they can easily cut out the entire scene when he falls in the water and then they go into the prostitute's building. That entire scene could have been cut out. They could have just gone straight into the tunnels and then met that whatever espionage fox woman, whatever she was. But my grade, unfortunately, it's a D plus. And the reason why is because 
I wouldn't really recommend anybody to watch this. And if you want like a better spy or even a heist movie, I made a quick list. Better heist movies or thieving movies, Ocean's Eleven, The Italian Job, Reservoir Dogs, The Usual Suspects. Watch all of those over this. A better spy movie would be like Kingsman, any Mission Impossible movie, especially Fallout and Goldeneye. So because there's so many better movies that kind of did what this did, it's a D plus because it is enjoyable. You like watching Val Kilmer and uh, Elizabeth Shue. And like you said, the relationship between the two of them, you do see a relationship blossom and develop between the two. And I really did uh, appreciate that aspect of it. I You had a really good couple lists there. One for the spy movie and then two for if it was espionage or uh, you know, it's really, I think, really, really good lists. Um, I would say for me, after watching again, for nostalgia's sake, I'm going to give it a B minus. And the reason why is because as I watched it again, a lot of those things that we just talked about really hit my head, uh, being a little more drawn out than it possibly could have been. Um, not as much espionage or not as much like, I, yeah, he got dressed up and he did some things and um, jumped off a huge building and all that sort of stuff, which seems rather crazy now after watching it um, again. All in all, it it still is enjoyable, but more for nostalgia's sake for Elizabeth Shue as well as Val Kilmer. I think you know back in the '90s they were fantastic. Well, Elizabeth Shue back in the '80s with Karate Kid, um, obviously fantastic. We should do Karate Kid, by the way. My kids love the Karate Kid. We have to watch that one. But um, I give it a B minus, more for nostalgia's sake. I probably could watch it again, but I highly doubt that I ever will. It might even be like a D plus, like you said. But because we don't give a C and our rating is too easy just to give a C, I'm going to give it a B plus. So it, it just jumps from a D plus to a, you mean to B-? a B minus. Or B minus, yeah. B minus, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, no, that was really interesting. You just mentioned him falling off of the building or jumping off of the building. Is that, can you really jump off that safely onto like cardboard boxes from like 30 stories high? That seemed a little bit high for that to be plausible to me. It seemed extremely high, extremely, extremely high. Now, I have no clue. It just seems like that little target is going to be very hard to hit, number one. But number two, the cardboard boxes, usually they have the big, you know, inflatable air thing that as you hit it, the air goes out, but then it slowly it goes out even more. Like, it's not like it just stops you. It literally keeps deflating over time because the air just keeps going out because it gives you more cushion. I don't know. It just seems implausible, but I'm not a stuntman. But it, it seemed really freaking high. It did. But I did appreciate that he had that as a contingency. That was plan B. If, if, uh, if, uh, uh, Oh, gosh darn it. The Russian son, uh, Crichton, Kriplate, what was their name? Ah, Tretiak. So Tretiak. if Tretiak's son didn't stumble on him, he would have just left out the building like like usual and not used the truck. But I, I love the fact that it showed foresight on his part and a lot of planning. Like He knew exactly what he was doing. Um, and he actually was smart enough to... Uh, or planned far enough to have that uh, Australian accent, not Australian accent, Australian disguise underneath that Night Monkey outfit, too. Do you see that? It looked like Night Monkey. It sure did. And I went back just before we started recording this and watched the trailer. I usually watch all the trailers after we watch the movie and before we record, just get a refresher of everything in my brain, see, look for props and all that sort of stuff. And the trailer back in 1997 totally like it had a voice narration voiceover and that's what they did back in the 80s and 90s like the voiceover of a narrator talking about things like if a man doesn't have a name you can never know who he is or if a man doesn't have an identity you can never find him or something like it was it was rather like 90s-esque which is pretty fun but 
look at the trailer now, the trailers are totally different nowadays. Um, a lot more action packed, but, um, going back now, watching it all over again and seeing all the different, um, disguises that he actually wears and puts on really, really entertaining. It seemed like everything was wrapped around, obviously the one character, Val Kilmer's character, um, Simon, you know, wrapped around him. And it all stems from him as a kid, Losing his, I guess, girlfriend, you know, her getting knocked over by the dogs when they were in this, what, uh, Catholic church, uh, I don't know, school or whatever it is for kids. And that from then he started all was always running. But one thing I really did like, he, he said he said to Elizabeth Shue, I always escape. That's just what I do. And so that brings me to my very first lesson is always have an escape plan. And I'm usually I think people that are probably a little more optimistic like I am. We don't necessarily easily go to an escape plan because I, it's going to work. I'm optimistic. Like, whatever I'm going to do, it's going to work. And so I'm not pessimistic to think I should just go ahead and create an escape plan and two and three and four. But this movie definitely shows you should always have at least two, if not more, escape plans. Like, you know, you have you know, option one, two, three, or, you know, uh, uh, whatever contingencies you're going to prepare or advance for it. So that's my first lesson is have a, always have multiple escape plans. Totally. I love that. And my guess is if anybody is actually com- thinking of committing a crime, like robbing a bank or something, they're not thinking like Simon in this movie or like guys at Ocean's Eleven. You know what I mean? They just think straight up, we're going to get in there, show the gun, get the money and book. That's all that they think. But you're right. Have an escape plan for sure. Now, that that brings up just a small question. Do you have an escape plan for your house? Like what if all of a sudden your kitchen catches on fire and you can't put it out? Do you know where you're going? Does your family know where they're going? That's a good idea. And no, we don't. It's basically the only thing we have is if somebody's trying to break in. Everybody runs to our bedroom, the master bedroom closet. We have a shotgun in there. I have extra ammo inside there. I also have guns throughout everywhere. So um hidden. So I know where they are and I can definitely get to them really, really quickly. But as far as escaping out of the house, um, our windows are basically at the highest is like maybe three foot high. So they're pretty big windows. So we can literally open up any window and jump out. None of them are actually have bars on or anything like that, but that's a good thought and practicing that too, not just like one time or two times constantly practicing it. So it's like muscle memory, something bad happens. We run and we, this is what we go do. And we all know where everybody's at rather than like, where is it? Where? So that's a good thought. I'm definitely going to have to put that into, uh, into effect as a family. Yeah, I agree. I got to do the same thing. And that's just a practical application of your lesson from this movie, Escape Plan, you know. Um, my uh, first lesson is don't take a job just for the money, right? Especially from someone who you just stole from and now he wants to hire you to steal something else. You know he has it out for you. He hates you. He hates the fact that you pulled one over on his son and all of his goons and stole whatever that chip was that you stole. Uh, once you complete this next job, or it could just be a ruse to get you to do the next job so they know where you're going to be, you know. Don't ever fall for something like that. I mean, it was just rather silly. And so that's my money, money quarterback. So Mm -hmm. I'll skip over my second lesson, but go right to my money, money quarterback is you already know that this is the bad guy you just stole from. You know, he's a bad guy. You know, he's killed people. At least it, he understands that this is not a good dude that you want to be around. If you just stole from him, lots of money. Don't go and show your face ever. Actually, I take that back. Never show your face to anybody that you stole from. And eventually they could figure out that you are that person. So they didn't even know who he was until this actually happened. And so that's all it was about. And here's another thought. Never steal anything in general for somebody else. And the big reason why you're expendable 
and you're a loose end. And we know that from many other movies, many other spy or killer movies or like, you know, army type movies. If you're expendable and you're a loose end, you like the term loose lips sink ships. That's what they always know. And so they're going to get rid of their loose ends. So you can't tell on them. So if you, they don't know who you are by you not showing up, you're actually going to be fine. So that's my money morning quarterback. Don't take stupid jobs like that. That's a really good point. I love that one. You mentioned your Monday. My Monday morning quarterback is why are you bringing out the dogs when the girls escape their dorm room in the dorm, right? Or like if they escape their dorm room, yeah, take the dogs outside. Give give the dogs one of the girls' pillows so they can smell what the dog looks like. Then go hunt them outside. But if they're inside the dormitory, what do you need dogs for? Freaking stupid, man. And that's what caused uh, that little girl, Simon's girlfriend or whatever, to die in the beginning to set him on his life's path, you know? So just a stupid plan by that priest and if you have a dog like that keep him on its leash if you see the kids they're literally the kids are right there hold the leash kids get down you don't let go of the leash like that yeah so all that was just rather rather silly to see that the what is a priest would actually do something like that but it's sad you know he obviously blames himself and as we watch the movie see how it plays out and he's always thinking about that like it always goes back yep. to that what what did you think about the dynamic be- between Val Kilmer and Elizabeth Shue I thought they came across really well on screen yeah they were great on screen together I, I really enjoy seeing them I love Elizabeth Shue and everything I see her and Val Kilmer too so when you get two actors that you really respect and you love their work it's great when they come together and they have that chemistry between them like you really do feel I, she seems like really like um She's really smitten by him. A lot of the things as they're talking, she seems like she's out of breath. And I'm wondering if that's kind of like on purpose for her character to be so smitten with Simon the way she is to to kind of help to explain how they fall in love so quickly. And she being a blonde, I guess, like the little girl, that's one of the things that, that uh, you know, that past experience with that little girl dying helps him kind of connect quicker with Elizabeth Shue as well. But I do have a question. I'm, you know, I went to school. I started my degree was going to be in mathematics, I dropped that because it was no fun. But if you have a formula for this experimental thing you want, how do you, the pieces not fit together in a formula? How is it like, oh, this last part, what if we put in the beginning and the beginning put in the middle and now it works? I, I'm kind of confused how her formula, a formula, step A to B or, you know, how does it not work from the beginning? Whoa, 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 egghead. You talked <laughs> way over me. Dumb it down a little bit. I have no clue what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So I literally am not good at math. I am not a numbers person. So Sky and I are brothers. For everybody watching this on YouTube and listening to the podcast, we're brothers. All of the brains went to Sky. All the good licks went over here. So that's, <laughs> yep, that's yep. literally how it worked out. It's <laughs> but no, like for numbers why Sky is phenomenal with numbers. I remember one thing specifically just kind of, it was like a punch in the face. So we're going through college. You're over in UC Irvine going to college. I'm at Fresno State going to college and I'm doing pre-calculus. So pre-calculus is not actual calculus, it's pre-calculus, but it's still hard work. And I'm going through the math and it takes me like four pages to do an entire problem. And my brain, if I could like scratch, like reach inside my brain and scratch it because it hurts so bad, I, I would. It was that hard for me. And then I said, you know what? Sky's really good at math. Let me give him a call. I gave him a call. I gave Sky a call, you. And I said, hey, Sky, I have a problem on my math. Can you help me out? He's like, sure, no problem. And as I'm talking through the entire four pages of one problem, <laughs> four pages, mind you, just one problem, each and every single step, you walk me through everything. I get to the very end. I'm like, oh, 
dude, okay, there's the answer. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. I remember as you're talking to me, it didn't sound like you were writing anything down. Did you do all this in your head? Like, yeah, that's it's easy. I'm like, you suck, dude. This stuff is so hard. I can't believe you could do that. So all that to say, it seems rather interesting how what you said, she had four or five or how many little cards, index cards that are square. It's like, how in the world do you like flip them around? And that like everything fits, but we just have to put them in the right order. It just was rather weird. But for me, not being at all smart, it was weird for me. If it's weird to you, somebody who is smart, then that's that's a different story. Yep, yeah, a few little hiccups in the in the overall story right there. Like it could have been simply that she left out a part on purpose that she didn't want on the cards in case she lost them in case somebody stole them. That would have been a better explanation for why when that scientist got the cards, he couldn't put the he couldn't uh, uh complete the equation. That that would have made a little bit more sense to me. Not that she's trying to figure it out yeah. by placing, because you see her when she's sitting in the restaurant, she's like, you know, moving them back and forth. I'm like, it, it seems like, and I like your idea, is if she already had it all planned out and she had to have it written down, but she put it in sections that only she would know how they actually fit. And maybe there's like eight cards or six cards or something like that, but you have to put them in order. And that's a big chunk of the problem is because they're in separate. But that's much better than her trying to figure it out with yeah. switching around cards. Yeah, exactly. And it, it was kind of weird at the end. He says, I mean, you have two hours to solve this equation. Well, hasn't she been working on this for like 20 years? What's going on? Two hours? You know, I don't know. Yeah, a little, a little hiccup for me there. And and then to make the fusion reactor actually work, like make it work, uh, figure it out. Then give it to this guy, have him fix it so that it works, and then have it actually work. That was a really tight timetable. But hey, I guess that's how you become a saint. You perform miracles, and those were the miracles. That's what it is. Cool. So (laughs) what is your, uh, we kind of skipped over it or didn't get to it. What's your second lesson? My second lesson was you want to learn how to disguise your voice, disguise yourself, just in general for who knows, you might want to just start talking like you're an Aussie and just, just for fun, just... I, I remember there's a couple people that I've known in my history of being alive that would have a accent or, you know, or sorry, not inherent accent, but they disguise their voice just for fun. Like they're normal American, normal, you know, everyday language that Americans would talk, but they would have a fun voice that they would just be able to pull out like a, a British voice and start talking like they're from Britain and have that little, little uh, voice that sounds really choppy. You know, you talk like that or talk like you're from Australia or start talking like you're, you're from Austria. Talk like uh, like you're Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd just be fun. And then be able to hold that out for like the entire conversation that everybody thinks that you're actually from Austria. I just think that'd be fun. Maybe yeah. a little deceptive, but fun. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Fun. I couldn't handle it. I would I would crack up laughing. I'd mispronounce stuff. I'd forget <laughs> my character for sure. Uh, so I love that lesson. Very good lesson. My second lesson is there are hookers with the heart of gold in this world, right? <laughs> we learned from Pretty Woman, Julia Roberts. They exist out there. This one that helped them took them into the home, walked her through the entire family, and nobody gave them up until grandma decided to go for the money. Uh, yeah, hookers with the heart of gold. So if you're ever in need... I guess in Fresno, go down to G Street or something and find <laughs> one down there. Good luck with that, though. But you, I think you also said it right, that entire scene of them being chased. And the, uh, if you remember, last time I said one part that I always remember that goes to my mind is him falling in the water, being in the ice, 
and having to hold his breath and it should be freezing. I, for some reason, I kind of like put myself in that position. Like, Oh my goodness, that'd be just crazy. Now that whole entire scene and then going inside that hotel or whatever the apartment complex and getting caught and all that sort of stuff was literally just like, it was almost nothing. Like there's no reason for that other than you can see that the gangster or the, the you know, the bad guy, Trey Tech, kills the dude just for talking about, you know, I saw a polar bear or something like that. Um, that whole scene could have literally been cut out. Wasn't as didn't actually benefit anything to the story. Yeah, I don't think so. You see her help him, you know, uh, lay on top of him, get him warm, that kind of thing. So there is a little bit of interaction there, but I think without that, there's still their love story still makes sense. The way they feel for each other, the way they help each other out. I don't, I just don't think it was necessary. And she could have done that kind of stuff if they just gone straight into the sewers from falling in the water. And then, yeah, exactly. It could have been replaced right there. So what I, I always thought, even from the very t- first time watching it, when they go in the sewer, initially, they're walking around, they're starting to go in the sewers, and all of a sudden, just somebody out of nowhere, hey, you, come here. And I was like, what in the world? That's like, that's so out of the blue. And as far as like movie storytelling, it was just so abrupt. That was like, are they bad guys? No. Do they know them? No. Are they just randomly finding somebody and say, yes, I am a thief who steals paintings. You are probably somebody who wants to buy. You come here and come look. It's just all that was just so bad for me. What do you think? I agree with you. And it reminds me of something. One of the writers in, for Avengers Endgame, I watched the uh, the movie with the commentary, right? And you hear them talking. And he says at one point, coincidences at the start of a movie are often fine. Like in Endgame, the rat triggering for Scott to come back from, from, the, uh, from the microverse. I can't think of what the name is right now. That's fine as a, as an early thing coincidence, but something later in the movie that helps your characters get away or helps them solve a problem, that's just lazy writing. And I think that's what this was. What I would have liked more was um, maybe he had set up somebody that he knew ahead of time to be waiting in the sewers in one specific pot as part of the sewers as his secondary escape route. Or maybe that was his original escape route when he wanted to get away at that time, right? So... um yeah, I just I it was just too much of a coincidence and that's lazy writing to me. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And cuz it's rather interesting the beginning of the end game. I never even thought, "Oh yeah, no, a rat actually." I mean, you kind of oh yeah, a rat turns it on. That's kind of weird. You know, where's the battery? The battery's probably dead after 5 years. All that sort of stuff, but you quickly gloss it over because like, "Oh, well, there's Ant-Man's back." And the, so that's how he comes back. Um you quickly quickly gloss over that. So I completely understand that thinking that if it helps your character out of nowhere, it's just like, uh, I don't know. So what what is your prop that you would like from the movie? The only one that I could think of was the Night Monkey suit. So that thermal suit in the beginning when he stole the microchip, it reminded me of Spider-Man Far From Home. L- seemed to me almost identical to Night Monkey. Yeah. So they copied it from the Saint, huh? Maybe. <laughs> That's what it seems like. <laughs> um, I liked the pin at the very, very end. You won't see it very often, but it's the Saint pin. That, that she's wearing, I think he she's wearing. But that's the only one that I could think of. Um, I, I, there were some other interesting things like the um, microchip maybe, but no, nah, the Saint Pen is the only thing that I was really thinking would be good. But, you know, I, it's, a, it's a fun, enjoyable movie. At least I, I would not say don't watch it. It's enjoyable, especially if you like Val Kilmer and Elizabeth Shue. Um, I give it a B minus. Sky gives it, a, was it a D plus? D plus. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's definitely skippable if you if you just have 
time to kill and you're like, you know, I just want a, an entertaining movie. This could be good. Um, but back in 1997, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Nowadays, it's just like, yeah, it's good. Yeah, storytelling is so much more evolved now and you have to be beat by beat, bam, 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 go, go, go and push your characters forward. And there's not too many movies that could just take their time with a lot of stuff like this one tried to do, you know? It sure did. Yep. So anything before we uh, end this puppy, anything else, Dust? No, I'm good to go. Cool. So this movie was my choice. What are we going to learn from next week? So there is a guy who's so funny. Every single time I see him in just about every single movie makes me laugh. And he's going to be on a new movie and it's debuting on Netflix. This is Will Ferrell. He's absolutely hilarious. Eurovision Song Contest. I think that's what it's called. Something about the fire saga. Um, anyways, it looks rather hilarious and it looks fun. And I like Will Ferrell and whatever her name is. I can't remember her name. Rachel but, McAdams. Uh, she, yeah, yeah. So... I think it's going to be a good movie. What do you think? You want to watch that? Yes, I do want to watch it. I've been meaning to on Netflix for a while, just haven't really caught it yet. So totally looking forward to Eurovision Song Contest. Good choice. All right, everybody for uh, watching on YouTube or who's listening to us, thank you so much for your eyeballs or your ears. We appreciate it. You heard what we think about The Saint. We want your thoughts. So visit the show notes page, watchandlearnpodcast.com slash The Saint and leave a comment at the bottom right there. Alrighty, once again, my name was Sky. And I'm Dusty. And we will return next week with Eurovision Song Contest The Fire Saga. <laughs> <laughs>